All right, everyone. Chill. Because Junk Man, Batman and Robin continues. Welcome, everyone, back to the new TNN podcast feed. My name is Johnny C, and of course, I'm the host of Junk Man and the purveyor of the new TNN podcast feed. And I want to thank everybody for coming back to what ends up being part two of our discussion of the fantastic, insane 1997 Joel Schumacher epic Batman and Robin. Now, if for some reason you're attempting to listen to this before you listen to part two, let me advise, all right? Uh, well, if you're coming to this new, let me explain. So Batman and Robin, eh, it's like a two-hour picture. I can usually cover that in an episode of Junk Man. No problem. <sighs> However... Batman and Robin has so much to discuss. I've got like four hours of footage that I'm cutting down into multiple pieces of a listenable podcast experience for all of you. But I would highly recommend going back and listening to part one if you haven't, because I think it's pretty entertaining. But number two, a lot of the gags carry over, and I don't want you to miss out on stuff or what have you, so yeah. But uh, I'm not going to, you know, delay any further. I I felt so bad making everybody wait to hear the rest of the show. But, you know, like I said, downloading a four-hour podcast only takes up a lot of space, but it could be a tenuous listen. You know, with the smaller ones, we're in, we're out, and then we'll come back and finish later. So I don't know. If it was a bad idea, sue me. Actually, don't sue me. I don't really have much to lose. So you're going to waste your time and your lawyer's efforts. But I'm done. Welcome back. Let's get into Act 2 of Batman and Robin. Now, Freeze is obviously fallen for this trap that Batman and Robin have laid for us, but we're about to fall into a bit of a thirst trap ourselves. But before we can do that, we have to take another beautiful look at the sounds and sights of Gotham City, according to Joel Schumacher. You know, the museum was a little crazy on the inside, but the outside looked kind of normal, okay? The Gotham Botanical Gardens is is centered in this weird location in the city where there's all sorts of roads, like, intersecting and driving over with the Botanical Gardens, but it looks kind of normal from the outside. Uh, the model work, I do want to say, is top fucking notch. No disrespect to the model work. And you know what? The artistic vision is fine. It's not it wouldn't be my go-to if I was designing this, but then again I don't know shit about design. So I'm going to say it's a standout as as a positive thing. Inside, however, it looks like Gotham City is putting on their own production of the Lion King Broadway musical. There's all sorts of dancers dressed up like they're jungle animals of some sort there's jungle music complete with elephants and the it's like like i don't know how to explain it there's all sorts of fucking sweaty sexy tarzan guys and loincloths there are gorillas dancing around like people in giant gorilla costumes dancing around it's like you, you ever see black panther or spoiler alert the ending of Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. You know, Warrior Falls, where they have, where all the tribes convene, where the they ch- you can challenge for the throne, and they're like, T'Challa, T'Challa. It's beautiful. It, it's, 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 it's vibrant. It's alive, okay? The Gotham Botanical Garden Party 
is like what Warrior Falls would have been in Black Panther if a bunch of fucking white dudes uh, that are boomers came up with it, okay? Now, this party is hosted by an MC who's like, Welcome! I'm convinced, but I didn't bother to take the time to look it up, that this guy is the ringmaster from Haley Circus and Batman Forever. So, just another... And, and this... God damn it, we talked... You know, we just talked about this with... um. Oh, it happened earlier uh, with, like, uh, Poison Ivy meeting up with Bruce Wayne. Edward Nigma does the same shit. Uh, Poison Ivy is sort of dressed up like Nigma when they're in the jungle. And this is just, I, I would imagine, if you check minute to minute, this is exactly where the circus scene takes place in Batman Forever. It's time for the second almost act action sequence and gala party. In Batman Forever, it's a circuit, it's a or a circus. Okay, pause. I love Val Kilmer. I'm. It makes me sad. What's happened? Okay, Batman Forever is what it is. Four years, years, years. My best friend and I had this little inside joke. Okay, in Batman Forever, when Val Kilmer wants to ask Nicole Kidman to the circus. He says to her, tell me, doctor, do you like the circus? That's the line, and then we smash cut to the circus. However, for some reason, Val Kilmer has like a lisp or like a mispronunciation or a sort of verbal accident when he says circus and says, tell me, doctor, do you like the circus? (laughs) Just like, no take two, Joel. That's the one you're going with. Do you like the circus? Like, that's the take you're going to use? So, for years, my buddy and I, we might just be sitting around doing nothing or at a party. I don't know. It doesn't fucking matter. But if there's a law in the conversation, I just look at him and be like, tell me, do you like the circus? Like, it's just, it's the stupid shit. It's the stupid shit, but it's the stupid shit like this that makes films live, pardon the pun, forever. But I would have felt bad if I didn't get that in just in case he's listening. So, there you are, old pal. Do you like, Tell me, do you like the circus? Anywho, back to Batman and Robin. Um, Gossip Gertie introduces Batman and Robin to all the tuxedoed billionaire white guys and uh, all the ladies who are here at the party. She's like, oh, look, I'd love to introduce Batman and Robin. And, and here they are. Batman and Robin do walk out casually onto the stage. In my opinion, this might be the most 1960s Batman concept of the entire film. Now, the ice cream factory and like Mr. Freeze having his own little hideout that's Mr. Freeze themed. Very, very 1960s Batman. Two-Face had one in Batman Forever that was like a room cut down the middle for the two faces. Uh, but it was still a little dark at least. Um, they're, the supervillain layers don't tilt at a Dutch angle like they do in the 60s show, but but here's what I'm talking about. The idea of Batman and Robin casually revealing themselves in a brightly lit area to a group of onlookers and not hiding in the shadows is very 1960s Batman. Where You know, you could just see Batman walking down the street and he'd be like, Hello, citizens of Gotham City. I'm Batman and I hope you're doing well. Uh, I hope you all had breakfast. Breakfast is a very important meal. Robin, come. 
let's go on patrol. Like, it's just the idea of them making themselves visible to people when there's no crime being committed. It just doesn't sit right with an old Johnny C. It's a big eyesore, what the fuck are we doing here type of moment. Commissioner Gordon arrives with the Wayne Diamonds on display. So obviously this is a trap for all you uh, fucking uh, educated folks out there. This is the trap that Bruce was talking about. They're luring Freeze out with the diamonds. Now, Commissioner Gordon has the Wayne Diamonds, which comprises of a necklace, which is called the Heart of Isis, by the way, which is the same necklace that Black Adam's wife Isis wears. I still don't recommend watching the Black Adam film, knowing this information, but shared cinematic universe, perhaps? So there's the necklace of Isis and some earrings, too, that have these diamonds. Big missed opportunity here to not have Commissioner Gordon just wearing the Wayne Diamonds. I mean, Pat Hingle's out here in a cheap-looking costume for a cop. Just just go the full Monty, okay? Put it, Make it wear the necklace and the earrings. At least it'll be funny. Oh, well, though. Um, Let's see here. Robin, this is actually something I wanted to talk about. Robin casually says to Bruce, or to Batman, yeah, you think Freeze will take the bait? They're doing this like whisper thing, and Batman's like, I think he will. But in a better movie, I feel like Robin would be appalled at this. Appalled at the concept of Bruce using these people as human bait. Because it's not as if he put the necklace in the center of a dark alley where nobody is waiting to catch a freeze. Like, huh? Did you put the peanut butter on the necklace, Dick? Alright, let's put some peanut butter on there. Maybe we'll catch a Mr. Freeze that way. But it's just, it seems like a huge risk. Sure, if you freeze someone, as Freeze revealed in the beginning, you have 11 minutes to thaw them before they die. Okay? But still, this is a very dare I say, all-star Batman and Robin take. If you've not read Frank Miller's all-star Batman and Robin, good luck getting through it. Especially that Black Canary issue. I like Black Canary. I don't have a problem with Black Canary. It's just very much... Wow. Okay? But in all-star Batman and Robin, it's the story of Batman and Robin's partnership origin. And of course, Robin's like a 12-year-old kid and Batman's a psychopath. I do enjoy the psychopath Batman. But... The idea of Batman using these people and not giving a fuck what happens to them is a little insane. And hey, speaking of insane, let's sell some women to rich white guys, because that's what we're about to do. A bunch of ladies that are supposedly dressed up like flowers. I don't know how these fuckers that bit on him can tell what flower they're supposed to be, but then again, I don't know shit about flowers. But it's some sort of a, a Saved by the Bell-esque date auction? I don't know. But a bunch of rich guys start bidding on these women, including a special guest appearance of fucking Colonel Robert Parker. Because there's there's three guys who bid on this on these things. One guy's like, hey, I'll bid $1,000. Another guy's like, I'm going to bid $5,000. And then the third guy... Colonel Rob Parker's like, excuse me, Gotham City citizens. I got some sweat here. Excuse me. I'd like to bid $45,000 on that delicious little thing right now, see? And I'd like to have it delivered to to my custody and my men, Harlem Heat, uh, will take her where she needs to go. Now, Harlem Heat, why, why don't you go grab that lady that I just purchased? 
All right, man, we'll grab that lady you just purchased, and then you're going to give us our paychecks, right? <laughs> Harlem Heat, you don't get paychecks if you catch my drip. Oh, now i got to fan myself. Anyway, um, a gorilla dancer takes center stage, sort of taking everyone's attention. An orchestrated version of the Poison Ivy. Poison Ivy theme starts to play. And this gorilla slowly undresses to reveal a full costume supervillain version of Poison Ivy. Now, she uses her pheromone dust here for the for kind of the first time. She blows dust out of the palm of her hand that isn't there that's supposed to make a person horny for Poison Ivy and sort of fall under her hypnotic suggestion because they're so horny. We also get the first reveal of her leafy mask. And combined with Uma's very bright red hair here, she looks like the female gremlin from Gremlins 2. So perhaps that's why the Floronic Man was like, Pamela, you look great. Because I believe Daniel Clamp once caught eyes of the female gremlin. And of course, Daniel Clamp's security advisor got, uh, you know, got married to the female gremlin at the end of Gremlins 2. It happened. Don't, don't tell me it didn't happen. I saw it happen. Again, from, from Star Trek's Nero. And uh, big question here. Why in a movie this gay, which I mean is a positive thing, do only the men fall in love with Poison Ivy? Hey, if you guessed because it's 1997, you are correct. But some of these big Tarzan dudes come in and carry Poison Ivy to the stage. Robin is immediately all in on the vivacious Uma Thurman. (laughs) She shows up and is like, hi there. And you are Poison. Poison Ivy. Ooh, a new flower to bid on. She immediately... uh, goes into bats, blowing the dust in his eyes. She's like, why don't you send Junior home and pump me full of bats or sperm? <laughs> or some sexy saxophone music, shades of WrestleMania V. Hey, Robin, why don't you send Batman home? I've been looking to fuck a young stud. Will you pretend like you're still in high school, please? <laughs> That's what does it for me. My garden needs tending. Uh, She takes the diamonds from Commissioner Gordon with very minimal effort and then says it's time to start bidding on her. I'm not sure what her endgame is here, but this at least enables our three bidders to return. Guy number one bids $50,000. Guy number two bids $100,000 on the services of a poison ivy. Colonel Rob Parker returns. Uh, Harlem Heat, would you please let Poison Ivy know that I bid $500,000 for the services of Poison Ivy. (laughs) All right, so if we tell them you're bidding $500,000, then you're going to pay us the Harlem Heat. (laughs) I don't know what's not getting through your head here. See, I'm Colonel Rob Parker. Uh, You are Harlem Heat. I tell you what to do and bless my soul. You think you're going to get paid. <laughs> uh, do How much uh, harder do I have to lay in on this stick, Halloween, until you figure out what this arrangement actually is? Batman outbids a Colonel Rob Parker for $1 million. Robin bids $2 million. Batman's appalled 
You don't have $2 million, Dick. I bid $3 million. Robin, well, that's fine, Bruce. I'll borrow it from you. $4 million. Batman bids 5 Robin bids 6 But oh no, ladies and gentlemen, Batman is ready to put an ending to the proceedings by bidding $7 million. He pulls from his utility belt, complete with the soundtrack going cha-ching, like it's that fucking rallies commercial from the 90s. He pulls out the Gotham credit card with a giant bat logo on it. The cardholder name reads Batman. The good through expiration date reads forever. George Clooney says with a tear in his eye. Never leave the cave without it. (laughs) This poor man. I do like the excuse to have it say Batman forever. But wouldn't you know, as soon as Bruce puts away the credit card, the giant Mr. Freeze dildo car emerges into the building. Freeze pops out, because, you know, this car has a roof, unlike the goddamn Batmobile, and says, All right, everyone, Jill! And then he starts shooting people, freezing them, but then the camera cuts back to him, and it's he, he says, Jill! Jill! It's just an unnecessary addition of ice puns. Like, I don't... The first one's good enough. There's no need for the second chills because they make me uncomfortable because I don't understand what Freeze is feeling here as he's getting these people to chill. But it seems somewhat orgasmic. And when you consider the fact that he's holding a giant penis-shaped cannon that's shooting out white shit, I mean, you know, that's that's fine, though. Uh, I think somebody throws a batarang or a birdarang or some shit and the gun gets knocked out of his hands and we get Mr. Freeze line number 23. Uh, get the gun! Sure enough, the hockey team from Hades emerges. Oh, they once again fight with Batman and Robin. It's kind of lame. Uh, including a scene or a uh, fucking shot where Robin throws like a drink tray at a freeze thug and the thug slips like on a banana peel and the sound uh the foley artist makes a sound that goes whoop i don't know poison ivy watches the battle and she gets kind of hot she's like oh oh i'm liking this mr freeze gets his gun back and then he wants to make his way on stage to get the diamonds but he's kind of far back by the entrance so we get mr freeze line number 24 he says to a garden gal that's holding a vine Boo! Sure enough, she drops the vine. And ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) much like Robin in the museum, these things keep popping back up. Mr. Freeze, from a vertical base, standing on the ground, swing... And keep in mind, we've talked about Freeze's battle armor. This shit weighs like 200 pounds. He swings with no vertical leap. It's It's like a video game. He touches the vine, and it starts to swing, and he just flies over the crowd and lands on the stage. But you know what, though? Physics be damned, I fucking kind of love it. Now, here we go. Our big moment. Freeze, Ivy. They meet for the very first time. Our villains of the day. Mr. Freeze talks. And we get Mr. Freeze line number 25 as he sees Poison Ivy wearing the diamonds for the very first time. Well, look at you. Let me guess. Plant girl? Vine lady? 
Huh? Hand over the diamonds, God and Gal, or I'll turn you into mulch. She blows her pheromone dust at Freeze. He takes a sniff. Pheromone dust. Designed to heat a man's blood. It doesn't work on the cold-hearted. Now if you please. Poison Ivy puckers her lips to kill Freeze with venom. Freeze is not a fool, though. He backs away, ripping the diamonds off of her. Hmm. Clever little clover. I'm ashamed to admit I say clever little clover in my everyday life when something catches me off guard and impresses me. At this moment, a Mr. Freeze thug flies across the screen, lands at Mr. Freeze's feet with a comedic thud and a... Freeze looks down and says, Oh, that's my exit cue. Thanks. Freeze runs back to the car. As he's sitting down to leave, he just yells, Cool party! And drives away. He looks so stupid in this car. Arnold is such a big guy. Add the armor. This car is a tiny dildo. He just looks so stupid. Batman and Robin are like, Commissioner Gordon, bad idea, first of all, putting anything in Commissioner Gordon's hands here in the fourth film. At least at Batman and, at Batman 89, he's wearing like a top hat and the fucking, uh, oh, what's the, tweed coat like he's Dave Matthews on the cover of an album. Oh, Batman! Well, you saved my city. I'm Commissioner Gordon. And I take pity on those who die in the pursuit of justice. But I think I'm the commissioner of a city that's going to hell. Batman, you're tripping billies. God, that didn't work well. But he's like, uh, Commissioner, you've got 11 minutes to thaw these people out. Robin takes one last look at Poison Ivy. It's great. Batman and Robin are on frame, and Batman says, Commissioner, you have 11 minutes to thaw the people, and he runs out to the left. Robin keeps staring at Poison Ivy. Ivy looks back at him like, ooh. Kind of like when Frau Farbissina and Dr. Evil look at each other. They twitch. The camera cuts back to Robin oogling her, and Clooney just walks back in and grabs his arm like, oh, come here, you. (laughs) It's it's dumb, but it works so well, given the tone that this movie wants to have. Ivy monologues about Mr. Freeze. That's not a man. That is a god. And side note, folks, if you were wondering where Bane was during this confrontation, uh, another person in a gorilla suit walks into frame behind Poison Ivy. And Ivy says, enough monkey business, Bane. We've got some work to do. The gorilla takes off the mask. Sure enough, it's Bane. A mask within a mask. Uh, Poison Ivy, I appreciate the fact that you've brought me here to glorious Gotham City, uh, where I can see the sights and sounds. Being a prisoner in South America is not where I wanted to die. There's so much I wanted to see, and I am thankful for you bringing me here and including me in your schemes. However, Miss Ivy... I'm already wearing a mask. Placing another mask on top of my mask will make me in the shadows. Now, Poison Ivy, you've merely adopted the shadows. And while I was born into the shadows, a member of the League of Shadows, I can't see a fucking thing with this mask on, on top of a mask I'm already wearing. 
But our Bane in Batman and Robin says, Monkey work. Akiva Goldsman, Academy Award winning screenwriter. Ladies and gentlemen. Dialogue be damned, though. There, there are strong aspects to this film. And I think this scene shows a few of them because we're outside in Gotham City proper now and it's time for a chase between the dildo mobile, a purple convertible, and a motorcycle that's flaming red. The model work on Gotham City continues to be tremendous. This is where we get the sweeping shot of what I I guess is the center of Gotham City. You can see it in any trailer or any piece of media or marketing for this film. It's a shot that goes across a giant statue of a nude man with arms outstretched in the center of Gotham City. There's like a tiny lady statue next to it. I think it's a lady anyway. And again, it's not my design of Gotham City. It kind of looks like Insomnia for Final Fantasy XV where they have the giant old gods in the wall or the old kings. Yeah, that's going to be lost if you haven't played or seen Final Fantasy XV Kingsglaive, but whatever, I'm sticking with it. But, yes, it's a giant nude man with arms outstretched in Gotham City. Got no problems with it. It's Joel's. It's Joel Schumacher's Gotham City, but the model work, a thing of beauty. You know, it's funny. You watch a movie from 1997. Now, we, we, we just talked about it with the uh, Surf's Up scene. The CGI, dated, kind of bad, kind of off-putting. Model work, though, always ages well. And that's why you go practical over CGI. Is it more expensive? Yes. But holy shit, the shot's a thing of beauty. The Batmobile and the Redbird are chasing down Freeze's dickmobile. Freeze has a couple of stooges in, like, Mario Kart-sized versions of the Freeze-mobile. Mr. Freeze freezes the Gotham statue and starts to drive on the outstretched arm heading towards the hand, and he's going to use the fingers as a ramp. Okay, we've already established that Freeze can bend the laws of physics to his will with his power jump from earlier, so I like the brand synergy there. Batman and Robin pursue. Batman communicates with Robin over his radio. Pull back, you can't make the jump. I can make it, Batman! Nah, I'm just kidding, he's not that annoying, but Robin thinks he can make it. Now... A very Batman maneuver here. Batman, a control freak, always has to be in control, always has to have everything right at his fingertips that he needs to control a situation. He uses his back computer to access the control codes to the Redbird motorcycle, and he shuts it down. He shuts down the engine, and sure enough, the Redbird just fucking dies. Now, side effect of this... It seems a little dangerous because Dick Grayson's motorcycle just stops working and it collapses on the middle of this statue, by the way. It's not like they're even on a road that's sloping downwards. They're on a statue that may or may not have been created to hold the weight of an automobile chase. So this seems a little dangerous. Again, though, like that all-star Batman by Frank Miller, he would totally do this. Ugh. If he dies, he dies. He wasn't a fit soldier anyway. You know, that's what the Frank Miller Batman would say. Freeze makes the jump. Good for you, Freeze. The thugs don't make it and crash into the side of the building. Batman makes the jump. And again, this is a shot you can see in any of the trailers if you want to just watch it instead of watching the movie. Robin 
his motorcycle wrecked, is standing on the outstretched fingers, on the outstretched hand, on the outstretched arm of giant naked Gotham man. However, it looks cool. He watches the Batmobile fly by. And yes, it's a giant purple convertible Batmobile that flies by. But it's still the Batmobile. And he screams at the camera. You know, this real primal... Like he's frustrated. He wants to fucking pursue. He wants to be Robin. He wants to be a superhero. This is what he signed up for. You need to trust me, Bruce. And again, in a movie that would carry this type of tone the entire film, this would fucking rule. It doesn't carry this tone, but small moments... Alfred and Bruce have had small moments. We're going to have some small moments in the future. This is one of those small mer- mer- small moments. Hey, it's a small marmot, man. Get the marmot out of the bathtub, Lebowski. It's a moment that works. Freeze lands, spins the car around, and freezes the Batmobile in midair. Well, hey, there's no top on this Batmobile. So unlike Goose, Batman can safely eject. Freeze line... Number 26, as Mr. Freeze is staring out the windshield of the Freeze-mobile, excited that he just froze a Batman, spikes the camera and says, Uh-oh, like he's a five-year-old. Batman flies downward and then arcs and punches out the window. A glorious CGI George Clooney Batman. We, we cut to the Bat cape, like Batman's cape, and Batman is flaring it outwards. And underneath his cape, Mr. Freeze. He was in the car. Now, he's on the ground, completely motionless, defeated. So is the movie over? No, it's not. But, it's a twist. Batman has captured villain one of two, like 50, 60 minutes into the movie. And that's, you know, flipping the script, if you will. So good for you. Academy Award-winning screenwriter Akiva Goldsman. Back in the Batcave, Robin has words for Batman. He's like, you know, the Flying Graysons were Team Bruce. We had to trust each other. You don't trust me, and that's a fucking problem. Well, you weren't thinking correctly out there, Robin. You were just thinking about Poison Ivy. It's always your rules, Bruce. Yes, yes, it's my rules. It's my rules that keep us alive. And take a shot. Because there's lots of head bobbing here from old George Clooney as he delivers these lines. But Robin's like, fuck you, I'm out of here. I'm, 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 I'm done for the night. Back in Alfred's study, Alfred is making final preparations on his message to his brother Wilfred. He's got a CD freshly burned and all ready to go. Side effect of this freshly burned CD, I think it's got all of Batman's secret information on it. So probably a bad idea to just leave it laying around in the open. Uh, Bruce walks in towing off. He's like, oh yeah, I just took a shower. I had a big night tonight, Alfred. Don't you want to ask me about it? Well, Master Bruce, I saw on the uh, television that you and uh, Master Cock, I'm sorry, Master Dick defeated Mr. Freeze. Congratulations. Bruce is like, yeah, yeah, I did do that. You're welcome. But, jokes aside, we get another really nice small moment that really works in a movie called Batman and Robin. Bruce is like, Alfred, you know, am I pig-headed? Is it always my way or the highway? Not great dialogue, but that's what Dick said and Alfred's and Bruce is repeating it back to Alfred. And Alfred's like, well, Bruce, Master Bruce, as a matter of fact, yes. Yes, it is. Bruce is like, huh? And here we go. Alfred with a nice little soliloquy. Death and chance 
store your parents. But rather than become a victim, you have done everything in your power to control the fates. For what is Batman, if not an effort to master the chaos that sweeps our world? An attempt to control death itself. But I can't. Can I? None of us can. Again! Yes! These quiet, small moments that are away uh, from all the glitz and the gaga of Arnold Schwarzenegger and the outlandish set design, the ice puns, Bade, Florotic Man, nonsense, traveling spotlights, you know. If, of course, if Alfred had his own spotlight here, it'd ruin the whole thing, but it works! God help me, it works, and it goes to show that if George Clooney had a better script, this man could be a fantastic Batman, but Michael goes crushing it. And this is what you want from the Alfred Bruce dynamic. Say what you will, we're four movies in. We're getting that right. Barbara is sneaking back into the garage now. She's got dirt on her face like she's fucking Pigpen. Uh, Dick Grayson sneaks up on her. She flips him with a nice, hiya! Because, you know. Uh, but I guess she I guess she learned Krav Maga at fucking Oxbridge Academy. How'd you know I studied Krav Maga, Bruce? It was on your report card, Barbara. You know, world's greatest detective. But she's like, oh, sorry, I didn't know it was you, Dick. I just know a little judo from my days at school. And, you know, I'm really sorry about taking the bike. I just, I saw this bike and I was like, oh, this bike looks great. I had to ride it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to go inside. I'll clean up the bike later. Just ignore all the dirt on my face and the crazy leather outfit I've got on. Bye! And she runs back inside. Broken record here, people. Broken record. Welcome to Arkham Asylum. The world-famous asylum where all of Batman's rogues gallery go when they're captured. The model work on Arkham Asylum. What's that thing the kids do? The the chef's kiss? Holy shit, this Arkham Asylum fucking rules. It looks exactly what a crazy Arkham Asylum should look like. It's like a Final Fantasy Final Boss's evil castle. Shades of Altimesia from Final Fantasy VIII. Ooh, that's a deep reference, too. Nobody's getting that one. We go inside to Arkham Asylum, and it's still looking good. There's hardly any lights. It's dark. It looks like a place that a supervillain that's obsessed with nonsense, like their hat or penguins or fucking, you know, riddles, calendars, uh, movies, fireflies. What else are they obsessed with? And I have uh, Carving numbers into yourself for every person you kill. Wearing a black mask. This is where these people go. And to rip all of the awesomeness away, Mr. Freeze is being carted down the hallway. Shades of Hannibal Lecter in a goddamn fucking refrigerator. It looks like the refrigerator that Indiana Jones jumped into that one time, okay? But fine. Yes, this refrigerator ruins the setting, but it's Mr. Freeze. You've got to keep him alive, I suppose. So some guards are taking uh, Hannibal Freeze, or Indiana Freeze. Hey, come on, we're going to go on an adventure. Yes, we'll take the the refrigerator. What if a bomb goes off? Come on, we've got to find the Holy Grail. We've got to find the Ark of the Covenant. We've got to stop the Thuggy Cult. Come on, the Dial of Destiny is right over there. Follow Indiana Freeze. Come on. Come on. Come on. Are you coming? 
Come on. Okay, so Indiana Freeze aside. Uh, one of these guards speaks. And it's a voice that's recognizable to any wrestling fan in the world. Drag him into the cold beam. So, it is Jesse the fucking body Ventura continuing to nuzzle off of the teat of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Hey, Arnold. Hey, it's Jesse here. You know, the the residuals of playing Captain Freedom and the Running Man, well, they, they've kind of dried up. You know, I, and, and, and all the VHS copies have been sold. They're not taking it back to print. You know, and I don't think anyone's going to create a new technology that will allow people to repurchase movies they already own. Yeah, I know you got me on the job as Blaine in Predator. And I, yeah, I used the fucking minigun. You know, Arnold, I didn't make any phone calls when you stole my minigun in Terminator 2, Judgment Day. And I saw in Variety, you just got hired to be in the Batman picture, you're playing the igloo guy. How about throwing something old Jesse the Body Ventura's way? You know, I've been hanging out with Sly Stallone on the set of Demolition Man. He told me you were a pussy. Is that true, Arnie? Are you a pussy? Should I just eat you up, Arnold? Because that's what I do to pussies. Ask Tony Schiavone. Why don't you get me a job as a security guard in that Batman picture, and we'll call it even. Jesse says, Welcome home, Frostface. Uh, Jesse the Body Ventura did mention to drag Freeze into the cold beam. Now, for the uninitiated, what is the cold beam? So Mr. Freeze has a giant fucking cell here in Arkham Asylum. Like, it's bigger than my room at my own home. In the middle of the room is a cot where he lays his head, and a blue light is beaming down over this cot. So huge room, one little place where Freeze can stand, because the cold beam is what keeps Freeze at the proper temperature. So why are you wasting one of the big rooms for this? Why not give him the tiny room and just shoot the cold beam into the entire room? I don't know. I just don't really know. It seems like the more economical choice, because you can use this big room. For all kinds of shit. And speaking of economics, who's paying for this? Are the Gotham taxpayers paying for this? You think Colonel Rob Parker from the Botanical Gardens is going to stand for this come next November? Now, now, citizens of Gotham City, thank you for coming to the Colonel Rob Parker uh, political rally here. Um, now, along with the bear tax, which we got taken away last November, now we've got a cold beam tax. This cold beam tax cannot stand. Now, my associates, Harlem Heat, are going to stand there and hand out some literature to each and every one of you. A Harlem Heat, could you please distribute the literature to the people here at the gathering? All right, Colonel Parker, we'll hand out this literature, and then you're going to pay us Harlem Heat. <laughs> you know what? Sure, i tell you what. You hand out all of those little pamphlets of information about the cold beam tax, and uh, i tell you what. I will allow you boys to stay on my property in a little shack that provides only the barest of minimums. That's what we've got now, Colonel. <laughs> That's right, and don't you forget it, Harlem Heat. Seriously, how thick do I have to lay on this shit for you to understand the arrangement that you've got with Colonel Rob Parker? Uh, the other guard, this with Jesse Ventura, who's also a beefy guy, has a great line. You're the common cold, Freeze. 
And word the cure. Now, Freeze is standing under the cold beam, fresh out of his Indiana refrigerator. And he's not about to let anyone out-pun him. Allow me to break the ice. My name is Freeze. Learn it well, for it's the chilling sound of your doom. Punch, punch, I'm escaping! Freeze does escape. He steps right out of the cold beam and starts to choke. Isn't Mr. Freeze a doctor? Did he not know? This would happen. So Mr. Freeze is dying outside the cold beam, and we get Mr. Freeze line 27. <coughs> now, face is free. Face is freeze. Freeze's face is creepy here. Well done. But why? it is Arnold, so why not just go full Total Recall and have his eyes bulging out? Anybody seen Total Recall? Oh, that's because we're selling toys. That's right, we can't do that. Freeze gets under the cold beam. That's right, Freeze. You can't live outside the cold zone. You're going to be here for a long time. Mr. Freeze lied, number 28. <laughs> Sadly, you will not live to see it. Oh, oh yes. Oh, That little oh yes on the end, by the way, is him really, really starting to get the feels from the cold beam. Back in Gotham City, Poison Ivy and Bane are looking for a place where they can build their own evil lair, okay? Bane is now wearing the full 1920s P.I. getup of the trench coat tied like a khaki trench coat. He's got on a goddamn gumshoe hat. Oh, look at me, everyone. I solve mysteries now. Ah, mysteries, mysteries. Hey, you know what? You can watch along with me every Tuesday night at 10 on CBS. Uh, because, you know, CBS loves programming for the old folks. Uh, and I'll appreciate all of you older gents and ladies allowing me to entertain you, even though I'm wearing this crazy mask. And, hey, by watching Bane P.I., on CBS, you could tell everyone in your neighborhood that you aren't like the other boomers. You like me, even though I'm wearing this crazy gimp mask. See, folks, I'm different. I understand him. I'm kind of getting woke, baby. Yes, Bane P.I. on CBS, and also available on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, Ivy is like, Batman and Robin didn't fall for my love dust. Yeah, she calls it love dust. Thank you, Akiva Goldsman. Uh, they find a condemned Turkish bath that is at the end of a very narrow dark alley. I'm surprised uh, fucking P Bane P.I. was able to fit through this little alley. And you know, that's probably why this Turkish bath is condemned. Nobody wants to walk through Murder Alley to have to get to one. They break down the door and inside we've got some neon thugs. Some thug. I mean, it's like a goddamn pitch black match in this uh, fucking Turkish bath. I'm not even kidding. The leader of this neon thug gang, though, is not Don the Dragon Wilson. Now, that's a deep Batman Forever joke because we saw neon thugs in Batman Forever. However, in Batman Forever, the leader of the neon thugs was a Don the Dragon Wilson. Now, if you're not familiar with Don the Dragon Wilson, all right, if Arnold was an A-level action star in the 90s and 80s, you know, Stallone's a B, Van Damme is a C, uh, your Michael Dudikoff's are D, your Cynthia Rothrock's are E, your Don the Dragon Wilson is an F-grade martial arts action hero guy from the 80s and 90s. But he's in Batman Forever, so what do you know? I will say this. The leader of the Neon Skeleton Gang is not Don the Dragon Wilson, but he is sitting on a badass throne. That's kind of cool. Like, hey, if I was a leader of an evil gang, I would want a throne. 
Ivy's all like, oh, well, it's time for you gentlemen to leave. Bane, uh, why don't you fuck them up? Bane has taken off his coat, and he fucks them up. Does he rip off their limbs, as this Bane should? Oh, well, no. He does toss them with some comic noises, though. Like, he makes them fly, and the soundtrack goes, because he can't scare the kidsters. Ivy's like, all right, Bane, darling, let's redecorate. And, you know, they break a hole in the ceiling and get some lights. They break a water, or they break a pipe to get some water. Ivy has some magic beans that I guess she bought off of a young boy. And uh, she dumps them in the soil and says, good babies, grow for mommy. And uh, these little beans are going to turn this thing into a full plant layer. It's not important, but it's just going to be an, an abandoned building that's now full of plants. Ivy is horny for Mr. Freeze. Uh, but he's stuck in Arkham Asylum. So, Bane, what we're going to have to do is free Mr. Freeze. He's not a mister, even. He's a god. And I think that I can use him in my diabolical schemes. So redecorate, Bane. We've got some company coming. <laughs> company. Speaking of company, it's now dinner time. At Stately Wayne Manor, Julie Madsen and Bruce Wayne are having dinner at Wayne Manor. Uh, Julie's like, you know what, Bruce? I'm tired of beating around the bush. I want to get married. <laughs> Bruce! Eh, Julie, eh, don't really think I want to get married. See, Julie doesn't know that Bruce is the Batman. And Bruce doesn't even want to talk to Julie because he's having some nom flashbacks about Poison Ivy. What does that mean? I guess it's residual effects of the love dust. He just sees Poison Ivy everywhere he looks. He doesn't see Julie at all. Julie's like, all right, Bruce, how about if I kiss you, will you marry me? Bruce kisses Ivy. He calls Julie Ivy off screen because he's making out with Poison Ivy. And Julie's like, who's Ivy? You just called me Ivy. Who's Ivy? Hmm. I wish I knew. And ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap on Elle McPherson. Oh, Elle, thanks for coming. I'll see you at the wrap party. Because Julie Madison is fucking out of here. Speaking of out of here, Robin is trying to be out of the view of anyone because he's in the Batcave telling the computer to enhance images of Poison Ivy. He's like, enhance, enhance. Oh, Ivy, I hope you like tributes. Oh, wait, what's that? An alarm goes off. See, I guess Robin set up, or Dick Grayson set up an alarm in the back garage. Barbara is stealing another motorcycle, and Dick's going to follow her and find out what she's up to. Where are these lovebirds heading? Well, I guess only one of them's a lovebird, because the other one's a bat. Ooh, bats and birds getting down to some fucking in the derelict parts of Gotham, going to a motorcycle race. So yeah, but the song says it all. It's a derelict part of Gotham, but it's actually kind of perfect, because it looks like everyone in the derelict part of Gotham is wearing derelict. This is Gotham City designed by Mugatu. Complete with spotlights. The spotlights show the faces of the neon thug group from earlier. I guess they're the king shit when it comes to this. But it's a motorcycle race rally. It's illegal street racing. And we've got gangs dressed up in all sorts of different costumes to show their gang affiliation. But it's a motorcycle race. How do you not include the clowns from Akira? But it's a Warner Brothers film. So you know who is here? The Droogs from A Clockwork Orge. All right, all right, I say here. 
All right, Barbara, go on in, Barbara. We'll say you're going to get in the race here. We're going to have some milk love. Come on, server, server, server. Every from a number, number, shiver. Right, too. Right, right. Do wop to Willie Tom 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 a droog named Alex. The droog sounds like the junkie aunts from the Transformers the movie. Done. Coolio is here. Wearing a gaudy fur coat. I promised Coolio in the character list. He's playing banker. He's the guy that you have to pay in order to race. Hence the banker. Barbara, I guess, won the tunnel race two days ago. And she's here to play again. Uh, there's a big mean guy named Spike who threatens her like, Oh, little girly, you won the race a couple days ago. I'm going to beat you today, dude. Uh, they make a side bet. And this Spike guy goes to tell the other thugs in his gang, including a small child. There's a small child wearing all these spikes who's like, All right, Spike, yeah! He's like, make sure you guys are at the tunnel so we can cheat and I can win the race and win all the money, dude. I don't know why he sounds like Hulk Hogan. Yeah, <laughs> Mr. Freeze. I, damn it, wasn't I going to do Mr. Freeze and Hulk Hogan? All right, everyone. Chill, dude. You're, you know what, Poison Ivy? You're a clever little clover, dude. All right? But that pheromone dust, it ain't going to work on folks that got creative control over their contracts, dude. So why don't you hand me over them diamonds so I can give them to Linda? I got a lot of alimony to pay here, dudes. Oh, well, that's my cue to leave, sister, dude. What you going to do when the 24-inch frozen guns of Mr. Freeze run wild on you, dude? But Academy Award winner Akiva Goldsman. The screenplay writer couldn't think of a better name for a big bad biker thug than Spike. Spike's what we're gonna. Why not Reginald? There you go. I mean, yeah, sure. You don't expect a Reginald to be an evil biker gang leader, but that's what makes it brilliant. Not Spike. You know, the race starts up next. I don't know that I would call it anything interesting. It's like half Twisted Metal, half Mario Kart. Uh, Dick Grayson's wearing his classic Robin helmet from Batman Forever that looks nothing like the Robin helmet from Batman Forever. I think that Batman Forever was just a nerdy, like, chinstrap helmet. This is like a full, like, crotch rocket helmet with the Cyclops visor. What the fuck? Uh, Babs's helmet looked like she stole it straight from the set of William Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. It's got, like, crosses and angels and shit on it, you know? Fucking Capulets on the side, shoot forth thunder, wherefore art thou, Mercutio, all that shit. Uh, Spike's helmet, probably the most interesting of them all. It's got sort of like a, a winged mohawk. Kind of looks like the uh, one-winged angel, uh, which is not a Kenny Omega reference, by the way. That is a Sephiroth reference. Betty, 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 uh, stand alone and fall to a... Uh, and it comes down to those three, big shocker. Spike's gang throws some Molotov cocktails. And earlier in the race, I want to make something very clear. We were in like the sewer areas of derelict Gotham. And this fire from the Molotov cocktails caused Bob, Bob, Babs and Dick to crash. And when they crash... They're on a dead-end overpass that appears to be miles above a Gotham City. 
How did they get... It's okay. Babs slides to doom. Robin slides to doom. But Robin, because he's a former member of the Flying Graysons, slides in at the last second and saves Barbara Wilson as she dangles over the side of Gotham City. Uh, There's some rear projection going on here behind Alicia Silverstone. You want to know what's going on in this rear projection footage? More spotlights hovering back and forth in Gotham City, and it's a bad rear projection dangling. Robin says, so, this is where you hang out. Alicia Silverstone's response, Back home, uh, Barbara has to make a confessional to Dick. Apparently, Babs started racing motorcycles when her parents died. The speed... And the danger, well, it took her out of herself. It made all of the pain she was feeling go away. And, you know, I mean, look, it's not great, and it's completely swept under the rug after this scene and abandoned, but that's the same type of trauma that caused Bruce to become Batman and Dick to become Robin. So, you know, again, I, I know at this point it's a broken record, but better movie... That's the shit that you're dealing with the entire time, as opposed to this one little fraction. Uh, It did get her kicked out of school, but she doesn't give a fuck, because racing motorbikes illegally has helped Barbara earn enough money to buy Alfred's freedom. Dick's like, his freedom? Babs thinks Alfred has been subjugated in this relationship. Alfred isn't Bruce's employee. They're like family, Barbara. Now, I get where Barbara's coming from, but she's completely unaware of the fact that the relationship has evolved into a familial-type relationship over the decades that they've been together. But I get Barbara's baseline instincts. Babs is like, come on, Dick, don't you see what's really going on here? Alfred is sick. And she leaves Dick to ponder. Suddenly a voice, Alfred's not sick, he's dying. Dick turns around, George Clooney here in a badass Bruce Wayne moment. Bruce is all alone in a dark room, standing completely still and brooding. Perfect Bruce Wayne. Again, we're dealing with a different movie. We're talking about this thing a whole lot differently, but there are flashes. Why didn't he tell us he was dying? You know, Alfred, he'd never say anything. But I can tell. Well, he is the world's greatest detective and also I'm going to give him this one. All right. I mean, he could tell me the earth is flat and I might believe him. World's greatest detective. Now, George does his best to be a sad Batman and Bruce Wayne and not show any emotion. I'm not going to say it again, but you know it in a movie that's this. Well, I guess I'm going to say it again in a movie that is this tone the entire time. This works. But fuck the tone. Let's head back to Arkham Asylum. Mr. Freeze. Uh, breaks a little icicle, and he starts to sculpt a little doll of his wife from this icicle. And I believe that's right out of Batman the Animated Series. He then takes the face off of a wind-up clock, puts the doll on it, covers it with a little cover, and it spins like a fucking wind-up doll. And again, I'm pretty sure this is right from Batman the Animated Series, which is, you know, the the piece of Batman media which gets uh, the credit for revitalizing Mr. Freeze and making him a viable character. I know it's Schwarzenegger doing it, okay? But thank God he's not in, like, his robe or his freeze suit. He is in a ridiculous pinstripe, like, prison outfit. But it, it works! 
God help me, it works. There are so many quiet moments in this movie that work, and I just want that to be clear. Sure, there's a lot of other stuff that we've we've talked about, okay? But there is this too. Mr. Freeze has a visitor. Uh, do we allow visitors at Arkham Asylum? It's your sister, Mr. Freeze line number 29. Sister? The door opens, and sure enough, it is Poison Ivy with two little buns in her long red hair and a green full-body leotard. Okay, I can get behind Poison Ivy now, okay? Poison Ivy with a line, Brother dear, I heard you were blue. Now this is just evolving, ladies and gentlemen, into a Batman porn parody. So should we, should we probably go back and redub Ivy's line to say, Stepbrother, dear, I heard you were blue. Because you, know, you got to say stepbrother if you want to keep this thing street legal. Uh, she blasts the guards with some love dust, uh, including Jesse the Body Ventura. She does kiss both of these big bruising hulks. Uh, but Uma Thurman, I don't blame you one bit. She uses like a third grade stage kiss and just does it the least amount that she has to you know, lip-to-lip contact. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't kiss these guys either if I were her. Uh, they're both dead, by the way. So that's a wrap on Jesse the Body Mentor. Oh, Jesse, come here. Oh, thank you so much for coming. Hey, why are you kissing me, Schumacher? You one of them boys from Harvard? I'm a goddamn Navy SEAL. You don't come kissing me. But yeah, I'll see you at the rap party. Later, Arnie. All right, fine, Jess. Jesus. Um, of course, there's a little problem here. They might be able to break free, but the cold zone is still a problem for a Mr. Freeze. Luckily, Bane is downstairs in what's called the Criminal Property Locker, a.k.a. Easter Egg City. Uh, we've got the Riddler's costume and his little cane making a cameo here. So is uh, Poison Ivy's, or Poison Ivy's, Two-Face's, like, suit that's split right down the middle. Now, there's also a ventriloquist dummy. It doesn't look like Scarface, but I'm wondering if this is an allusion to the classic Batman villain, the ventriloquist. There's also some blue old-timey boxing gloves here in Arkham Asylum. Did the Batman once fight and arrest a 1920s kangaroo that was on the loose terrorizing Gotham City? They've got plenty of gangsters from the 20s and 30s around. Hey, boss, we gonna hit up that bank? Bullet! That's a boxing kangaroo, by the way. That's what a boxing kangaroo sounds like. Uh, Bane gets the Mr. Freeze armor. And this just came to me while watching this, because Bane uh, like grabs the security guard, breaks through the wall, and tosses him like a sack of potatoes. Uh, how about a fan... F- no, not a fan film. Fuck fan films. They're not. You can't do it because they come down on you. How about an officially licensed comic book between DC and Warner Brothers? Because, hey... Or DC Warner Brothers. Yeah, they're owned by the same fucking company. No, it's uh, we need Paramount now. I mean, here's the whole gag. Jason Voorhees set loose in Arkham Asylum. A four-issue miniseries with out of continuity, with no consequences. You can do whatever you want. With every Batman villain trapped in. Like, Arkham Asylum's kind of out in the woods, maybe. And, uh, the you know, the power goes out. And uh, Jason Voorhees just wanders in, and uh, all the bad guys want to escape, but Jason just happens to be standing in the doorway, not so much wanting to defend the innocent Gothamites, but just wanting to kill anyone that's in front of him. Uh, well, after Bane gets the shit, we cut back to Ivy, who's just killed the cops. Freeze line number 30. Impressive! 
Poison Ivy proposes a pairing. I've come to set you free. Mr. Freeze Line 31, an enticing offer, but what does the lady want in return? And I would just like to thank Arnold Schwarzenegger right here, ladies and gentlemen, for not putting the emphasis on icing in the word enticing. Because it would have been really easy to do. It would have been really easy to do. Ivy, I fucks Mr. Freeze. Let's cool that convo for now. I've got someone I want you to meet. She throws open the door in burst Bane with a shopping cart that has all of Mr. Freeze's armor inside of it. His name is Bane. Mr. Freeze line number 32, a laundry service that delivers. Wow. Hey, wait a minute. Uh, Where's my Indiana Freeze hat? I don't see it in here. Bane, did you forget my hat? Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I seem to have misplaced it. Let me look. Oh, Mistress Ivy, do we have time to look for the Indiana Freeze hat? Oh, look, it actually fell out in the hallway. Let me scurry back and get it. Oh, there's some guards coming. I'm sorry, Mr. Freeze. Your Indiana Freeze hat may be lost in the wind. Joel Schumacher, director, uses a Star Wars wipe transition to show that Mr. Freeze had some time to get dressed before all the cops show up at the door. What are you, about a 50... Big and tall, Mr. Freeze line number 31. No, I always go a size smaller. Makes me look slimmer. The guards are breaking down the wall, burning it down with a blowtorch. Freeze's suit dings. He's low on energy for line 32. Ah, I'm running on empty. I need the diamonds from my hideout. I'll help you grab your rocks. (laughs) Oh, poison ivy, you minx. Bane punches the wall, but it's too thick to break. But luckily, Mr. Freeze is a doctor of MacGyveral studies from Gotham University, and he hatches a plan. He turns on the water in his sink. He then busts a little vein on his suit and shoots the freezing, like, fluid into it. Mr. Freeze, line 33, as he's shooting his suit's spunk into the pipes. Oh, yeah. All the pipes freeze. Always winterize your pipes. The wall breaks, you know, ice. But there's a problem. Mr. Freeze's room, even though it had a great view and was rather spacious, is about 40 stories up above water. Like, they peek their heads out and there's a CGI, like, lake waterfall underneath it. It's like an 80s anime that was adapted for kids. Don't worry, kids. That character that just fell 40 stories landed in some water. See, the character fell and we added a splash sound. And he was a robot, too, even though he ate food earlier in the episode. Don't worry, this anime is perfectly okay for 1980s children to watch. That happened in Voltron one time. That's where I got that from. Uh, Mr. Freeze Line 34. While I get my diamonds, you and Meatloaf... (laughs) While I get my diamonds, you and Meatloaf retrieve my wife. (laughs) Meatloaf... You never said anything about a wife, Mr. Freeze line number 31. Come on! No, he really says it! He really says, come on! And they jump as they're flying through the air. Freeze line 36. I hope Mr. Bane can swim. Can you swim, Mr. Bane? I know what I want. I want my diamonds now. Ivy saved my wife. And hey, Mr. Bane, can you swim, Mr. Bane? 
They do fall safely into the water, and their escape is complete. Back at Stately Wayne Manor, Bruce confronts Alfred about being sick. Alfred, I know you're sick. I can get you the best doctors. I have seen the best doctors. Why didn't you say anything, Alfred? A gentleman does not discuss his ailments. It is not civilized. I hope I have taught you at least that much, Master Bruce. Well, you know, that sort of explains the young, traumatized child growing up to dress like a bat. Therapy was a no-go under Alfred's watch. Uh, I guess channeling a little bit of Barbara's anguish, Bruce poises a hard, poignant, real question to Alfred. Alfred, have you ever regretted your life working here? Michael Go, bringing it with a smile on his face. Looking after heroes? No, sir. My only regret is that I was never able to be out there with you. And he honestly, I feel like the actor is maybe generating a little bit of tears here as he says this. Well, not all heroes wear masks, Alfred. Again, man, this is what you want. Bruce Wayne finally having to face mortality as an adult through Alfred. This is the movie. Of course, Chris O'Donnell runs into the movie and he's like, Mr. Freeze has escaped. Shut up, Dick. We're having a moment here. But it's true. Freeze has escaped. Bruce and Dick run off screen, like behind the stairwell off screen to go become Batman and Robin. I was half expecting them to go to the study and find the little statue and press the button to slide down the bat poles. Oh, Johnny, that's a great idea. Let's shoot that. This is director Joel Schumacher. Come on, let's get the crow together. We can add that scene. Joel, it's quite all right. The movie's 25 years old, and you're dead, man. How did you get here? Nope, don't answer that. I don't want to know. God, that makes me 20. This movie is 25 fucking years old. Good God. We head to Mr. Freeze's lair. You know, the ice cream factory. You know, the spotlights are still on on the exterior. Do you know how expensive that shit is? Are you made of money, Mr. Freeze? Well... Fuck, well, I guess he, te- okay, he technically is because his suit runs on diamonds, but still, energy, it's not cheap. I see it on the cake to this exterior shot with the spotlights back on the Mr. Freeze ice cream factory. Uh, the Batmobile is parked outside next to all the stupid looking purple cop cars, but there's no Redbird motorcycle. So how did Dick get here? Hmm? We know there's only one seat in that Batmobile. And Bruce ain't adding another one. Him and Robin are having a little little lover's quarrel. And it's about to get fucking worse. Inside, Gordon shows the Cape Crusaders proof that Poison Ivy was responsible for breaking Mr. Freeze out of Arkham. <laughs> he, th- he then shows them some black and white photos of Poison Ivy and Bane arriving at the Gotham Airport two days ago. <laughs> and from the laughs, do I need to tell you what Bane is wearing in the photos? Uh, no, no, don't tell them, Johnny. They can find out by tuning into Bane, P.I. on CBS and Paramount Plus. And you'll see what old Bane is up to in the wardrobe department. Bruce analyzes the footage, or Batman, I should say, analyzes the footage, <laughs> stares right at Gordon. This is definitely the same pair that sprang Mr. Freeze. World's greatest detective, ladies and gentlemen. Batman and Robin are walking around looking at the scene, and they're they're kind of making up here like, well, I feel stupid for fighting over a bad guy. Bruce, bad? Yes. Guy? No. 
Okay, Bruce, calm down. You didn't get an erection for a guy. It's fine. Relax. Jesus. Be a little more secure. Okay? Well, I'm over her. Oh, yeah. Me too. Haven't thought of her all day. Well, you know what, Batman? I haven't thought of her in two days. Oh, yeah, Robin. Totally. I haven't thought of her in like three days. Well, gosh, I haven't thought of her all week. That, that's about as petty as I could see it devolving into. They find the secret room where Mrs. Freeze is cryogenically frozen. They check out the computer reading, and it looks like Mr. Freeze, earning that doctoral degree, he's found a cure for stage one Ewan McGregor syndrome. And he's close to finding one for stage two. Freeze and Ivy, though, are below them, looking up. Mr. Freeze, line number 37. There she is. Ivy's like, Freezy baby, you're clearly weak here, okay? Uh, you go get the diamonds and meet me back at my place. Mr. Freeze, line 38. No! In my weakened condition, I'm no match for the batting bird. You leave those boys to me, silly. Now go on, shoo! Shoo! Go on! She shoots out her love dust through the vent. Batman and Robin follow the trail to what I guess is the underbelly of this seedy ice cream factory. Mr. Freeze goes upstairs and is not happy to see the police are up in his crib. Mr. Freeze line number 39. I hate uninvited guests. Now Freeze is peeking his head through a little door here. And I kid you not, right next to this door is a giant lever. The lever has two positions. Heat and cold. It's currently turned to heat. So Freeze lifts it up and it starts to go cold. This fucking like icy smoke or liquid nitrogen. I don't know what the fuck it is. Gas starts flowing through the vents. And ladies and gentlemen, one of the extras that's playing a cop yells within two seconds of this nitrogen coming into the air my lungs <laughs> my lungs are freezing academy award winner akiva goldsman ladies and gentlemen freeze gets his diamonds and powers up ah oh, chilled to perfection and now folks downstairs batman and robin are confronted by bane on a bridge like structure Oh, Christopher Nolan, sit down. It's time for an interview with me, Bane. So so tell me, Christopher Nolan, director of the Dark Knight trilogy, how did it feel to steal your Bane-Batman confrontation from Joel Schumacher? Well, it wasn't stealing so much as what I was doing was, No, Christopher, no, no, you did steal. And I am Joel Schumacher's reckoning. Joel Schumacher got me my own television program on CBS, and to a lesser extent, Paramount Plus. You didn't care who I was till I put on the mask. Say goodbye, Christopher. But back in the movie, Bane makes short work of Robin. Batman and Bane start to fight. It's what we've all come to see. And we cut to Poison Ivy seducing Robin. Well, that's okay, too, I guess. Hey there, little birdie. Polly want a kiss? Now Batman falls over the rail, so she goes to seduce him. Uh, Batman with a trailer line that's awful. Why are all the gorgeous ones <sighs> homicidal maniacs? Is it me? She leans in for a kiss. Oh, no. No kiss. You're going to tell me where Freeze is, and then you're going to jail. Uma Thurman, ladies and gentlemen, she's fine as Poison Ivy. Her dialogue is awful, but she's hamming it up the right amount. But even I cannot forgive this line. 
I'm a lover, not a fighter. That's why every Poison Ivy action figure comes complete with him. And Bane grabs the Batman by the neck. He does not break his back. But you know what? I'm giving Uma a pass and I think about it. Academy Award winner screenwriter Akiva Goldsmith, ladies and gentlemen. He's responsible for that one. We cut back to Commissioner Gordon, who does the first heroic thing he's ever done in any of the four original Batman films. He reaches the cold lever and pushes it back to heat. Mr. Freeze gets his freezing engine and beats the shit out of some cops. They fucking call, fall comically down some steps like dominoes. And Commissioner Gordon's like, what, what are you doing to my coppers? Ivy blasts Robin with some more love dust. I can see it now, Robin. You, shining bright in the sky with your own light. You know, like the bad signal. No kiss, though, because Bruce stops it at the last minute. Ivy slinks away to the background. And folks, Batman and Robin start to argue. Robin's like, why'd you stop her from kissing me? I know you want her. No, dick, you're an idiot. Why do you think she's so desperate to kiss us? I think her lips are poisoned. Uh, World's greatest detective. Then... It happens. Robin throws a punch at the Batman. The Batman easily dodges and tosses Dick Grayson into a vat of melted ice cream. Well, so much for an adult approach to the long-awaited, wanted-to-see Batman versus Robin scenario, but I guess we'll take our small, quiet moments and let this one fall by the wayside. Robin! is covered in goo and stands up like a big boy. And he's like, you know what? I quit. I'm going solo. And he does walk away like a big boy, but it's, you know, he's all covered in this goop and his cape's all like stuck to him because it's heavy and shit. Commissioner Gordon runs in and yells at Batman in a furious nature, what happened? How'd they get away? Gordon's got some big balls. Okay, he's done nothing for four movies. I guess in Batman Forever, he turned on the bat signal and then waved at Batman. But he's acting like he's a goddamn hero cop now. Anywho. Uh, Ivy sneaks back to Mrs. Freeze's secret room, and she breaks the power cord with her boot. Oh, no, it's a swerve, bro. Ivy doesn't like Mrs. Freeze at all. Hee-hee. <laughs> I was never good with competition. Who needs a frigid wife anyway? Back at the Turkish baths, Poison Ivy arrives, and her lair is now comically split in half. Plants and Poison Ivy on one side, completely frozen ice shit on the other. Well, make yourself right at home, she says. Mr. Freeze line number 40. Where is my wife? Batman deactivated her. She's dead. Mr. Freeze line. Number 41, Mr. Freeze, what are you going to say that's going to make me think of getting deep with number 41? You lie! But Poison Ivy has Mrs. Freeze's necklace. <laughs> Line 42. Oh, no. No. Mr. Freeze cries. One tear. It freezes and it breaks and blows away in a more serious movie this is it man this is the money shot i mean if this is matt reeves is the batman part two and freeze does this this is when you know hell is about to freeze over and in a better movie this is it in this movie however 
Arnold Schwarzenegger gets angry and starts punching stuff. Their bones will turn to ice. Their blood will freeze in my hands. Good idea, Freezy. But why should Batman and Robin be the only ones to die? Hmm? While the society that created them goes unpunished. Ooh, it's, it smells like Poison Ivy has a plan here. Mr. Freeze, line 43. Yes, if I must suffer, humanity will suffer with me. I shall repay them for sentencing me to a life without the warmth of human comfort. I will blanket the city in endless winter. First, Gotham, and then, world. Just what I had in mind. Everything dead on Earth except us. A chance for Mother Nature to start again. Behold, the dawn of a new age. What is the dawn of a new age of which a Mistress Poison Ivy speaks? Well, folks, somehow, off-camera, Poison Ivy now has a fully living plant-animal hybrid, uh, where she had a failing one back in South America. Bane hands it to her. It's like a tiny little Audrey 2 from Little Shop of Horrors and a Super Mario Piranha plant mixed together with a snake tongue. The snake tongue is all like licking at Poison Ivy. Someone's doing this fucking animatronic puppet. Uma Thurman, God lover, licks the glass like, mm, here, yeah, pretty, pretty planty. Mm. And I guess once Freeze freezes the world, they're going to plant these animal plant hybrids all over the world and they will rule all over them. She's like, we, when the humans are dead, we will rule over them. For we will be the only two people left on Earth. Bane, by the way, is standing right there like, um, uh, uh, Mistress Ivy, uh, I'll be the first to tell you I'm not the world's greatest detective, but uh, one, uh, two, uh, three, I think you mean the only three people left on Earth, right? Mistress Ivy, eh, please? Mr. Freeze line number 44. Yes, Adam and Evil. You distract the Batten bird while I prepare to freeze Gotham! Whoa, and that, ladies and gentlemen, sorry, that was an abrupt pause. Oh, but now that the evil schemes have all been revealed, it's time to cut right before Act 3 starts and end... Junk Man, Batman and Robin, Part 2. Uh, we've only got about 40 minutes left to go. Uh, I'm a little ashamed to admit how much actual podcast time is left, but in order to find out, there's only one thing that you all need to do. Subscribe to the new TNN podcast so you get notified not only when new content drops, but when Junk Man, Batman and Robin, Part 3 falls on your doorstep. And guys, I said it last time, I'm saying it again. I love you. I am indulging in a lot of shit right here. But uh, this is this is like the funnest thing I've ever I ever did in my opinion. Like I love this movie had it coming in a lot of ways, and I'm trying to give you the good and the bad, and I'm giving it to you all unfiltered, uncensored, unedited because damn it, that's the only way I know how to be. But I'm Johnny C. A winner is you, and until we see you next time, freeze will.